Amen. Amen. Appreciate the job the musicians do for us uh, each week. And uh, I tell you, there wouldn't, there isn't a, to be honest with you, a better group of people to, uh, to be able to listen to because every person you see on the stage, uh, it's not, never about them. Uh, it's not a performance. It's not a... Um, hey, look at how good I am at doing something. It's just genuinely people wanting to um, serve the Lord with their gifts and talents. So you be praying for them as they lead us each week. If you have your Bibles in wood, uh, turn me to the book of uh, Romans chapter 12. Uh, we don't really have a sermon series title for this. If I had to call it something, it might be something along the lines of transformed or something like that. But um, this is one of those deals where we're just kind of taking a look at at a chapter of scriptures, and uh, I gotta, I gotta mention, I want to show you this this morning. Uh, those of you who might be able to see it, uh, Eric was in my office on Sunday morning, or on Wednesday night, Wednesday morning, uh, after school, and he this he, he brought this to me. Not just to anybody else that scribbles, right? Like a, a four year old that sat in the carpet and wrote on crayon, and he hands it to me, and I said, "What's this?" But he said, "It's your sermon notes for Sunday," and I said, "Okay." I said, uh, well, what's it say? He says, he says, this is, my name is Pastor Andy. I like to preach and I like to baptize people. And he said, that's it. Afterwards, it's just all you. And I was like, okay, so I'm Pastor Andy. I like to preach and I like to baptize people. Um, but, you know, just, and I say that in saying this, you know, it's one of those deals where, you know, as we think about our children and, and you know, parents, teachers, you know, we're all having an impact on the kids of our, the students of our church and so you be praying for them as well, and the teachers that um, you know make a go down and teach them and prepare for them, and you be praying for them as well. Um, all that comes first, full circle. Let's talk about uh, the scriptures this morning. Uh, Romans chapter twelve. The book of Romans is, of course, written to uh, the church in Rome. Uh, it was written by Paul. Paul longed to go back and see them. We see in the first chapter uh, how Paul loved them, wanted to go back and visit them, but there were just some things that weren't allowing him to go back there and do that. There were some other ministry opportunities, some other things, other things Paul was doing. And, uh, and so he writes them a letter, and he spends the first 11 chapters of the book of Romans dealing with um, theological things, doctrinal things. Uh, we might cl- call these, if, if you were to say there were some things um, in, in, in the church that were, were open-handed, um, and we might look at them, uh, it would be like, what kind of music your church plays? What, you know, things that really, you know, are, are some, somewhat preferential. Uh, but then you have these other things that are, very, that are what we call closed-fisted things. Uh, they are things that it does not matter what church you attend, um, should be doctrinal theological principles uh, that, that are about Jesus, Jesus Christ being our Savior, closed-fisted things. Um, and we get, and so he spends a lot of time dealing with this theological stuff. So 16 chapters in the book of Romans, 11 of them deal with these theological matters, why we believe what we believe, uh, and, and what we are to believe. And so I would encourage you, if you have time this week, find you a good translation, uh, of the Bible, sit down and read chapters one through chapters 11, and that'll give you a little bit of a basis, um, of, of where we're at this morning. Now, as we get into chapter 12, Paul makes a little bit of a transition. So we go from this very theological in nature to this very practical in nature. 
And he begins, as we studied last week, and if you missed that one, you can get online and, and listen uh, on our website, uh, LebanonFirstChurch.com, spell it all out and hit enter, and there's a media tab, you click it and click sermons, and you can look back on maybe the last couple of years worth of, worth of material. But he gets into this practical, and he starts by saying, listen, he says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a, what did we say we were to be? A living sacrifice, Right? holy and acceptable to God, for this is your spiritual worship, this is your reasonable worship, this is reasonable for God to expect from us because of what he has done for us. And he says, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed through the renewal of your minds, that you may be able to discern or to know what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And so in essence, he's saying, listen, we have a right relationship with the Lord And when we have that right relationship with the Lord, it's going to help us to understand, to discern, to know what the will of God is. And the will of God came up in our Wednesday night study. So when we have that relationship, we have to have the relationship and a proper relationship with the Lord, not just a relationship by my definition or what I think a relationship ought to look like, but a relationship because of what Uh, and what God says it needs to look like. And so I have that right relationship with him. I'll be able to discern what the will of the Lord is, and then that will help me in what we're gonna be talking about today. So if you have your Bibles, Romans chapter 12, and we're gonna begin reading uh, in verse three. And he says, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Would you pray with me this morning? God, it's so good to be in your house today. Just to have the opportunity, Lord, to to be together uh, amongst our people, Lord, and and to be able to worship you. We've worshiped you in song this morning. We've we've worshiped you with our giving. And Lord, now we're going to worship in this time that we have set apart to to, to study your word, to to learn more about you and, and what you would have for us. And and God, we thank you for your word and Lord, the timelessness of it. Lord, all these things have been written so long ago and yet even to, you know, today, they are so applicable to our lives. And Lord, we can open any page in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, Lord, and it is truth for us today. Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for the time it took for you to get this on, on, on paper so that we would be able to, to have it today. Lord, at our fingertips, on our cell phones, Lord, and we, we thank you for, this, for its accessibility. Lord, I pray that as, as accessible as your word is to us, Lord, that our hearts, that it would be as accessible in our hearts, that, Lord, today you would, would open up our hearts, Lord, and just uh, pour into us, Father. For some of us, we need a little bit of encouragement, Lord. For others of us, there might be a little bit of correction, But God, I pray for us today that whatever it is that you would have us to receive, Lord, that our hearts and our minds would be open and receptive to it. Lord, I pray that if there's been some some hedges or some walls being built that that prevent us from hearing what needs to be heard today, that Lord, you uh, and your Holy Spirit, Father, would just, would begin piece by piece, just kind of tearing those down and breaking those down, Father. 
The most important thing for us, Lord, is to have a right relationship with you. Not to think that we have a right relationship with you, Lord, but to know, and your word tells us that your spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are indeed children of God. And so, Lord, I pray today that your spirit would bear witness with our spirit. Lord, that you would search us and know our innermost thoughts. There being any grievous or, or sinful way in us, Lord, that you would that you would make us aware of it, Lord, and that it would be a and that we would be grieved by that, and it would be a godly grief that would lead us toward repentance, not towards guilt and a, and a feeling of of of, of being depressed and, and beat ourselves up over it. But God, you desire to reveal our sin to us, not so that you can say, see, I told you you were so bad, but God, in order for us that we might repent of it and be forgiven of it, Lord, and, and live in freedom and joy. And so Lord, I pray today that, that God, you would open our hearts, open our minds, Lord, that we would receive well what you would have for us. Thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for our church. And God, thank you for the great love that you have for us. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. I love how he starts this uh, because I, I feel like there's a way in which he has to start something in order to say what he wants to say, that there's something that we need to hear before what he says later on really begins to, to drill down deep in us. And so if you'll go back to, to verse three, I want us to take a look at that. Uh, he says, for, the, for by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you. Now, I want you to remember this morning that we are talking about the church we're not, talking about, um, we're not talking about a group of, of people. Now, there were people of varying um, spiritual maturity, and so it's not just one blanket group, but it, it is a church. It would be a church much like ours that would sit together, and this letter was written to us, and so we would sit, and, and we would have one copy of it, and we would read together Paul's letter to us. And he says, he says so I, by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, he says not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. To not think of ourselves more highly than he ought to think. Now, I think as we, as we think about this, this is kind of like a two-sided coin, right? And so I want to talk about this for a few moments. We're going to dive in deep, and then I want us to talk about how the implications are for our church. So Paul says, I, I don't want you to think more highly of yourselves than you ought to think. Now, this, again, is this two-sided coin. One side of the coin is that we are to not think too highly of ourselves. We would call this a haughty or an arrogant attitude. I, I hesitate to use the word pride because I think sometimes we can have pride in our work without being have a, a, a prideful nature. You, you kind of understand the difference there. And so he's saying, I don't want you to be arrogant. I don't want you to elevate yourselves among other people. I don't want you to say, because I have, and, and as, if we're looking at it in context, it's saying, because you have this gift, don't think that you are better than everybody else. But on the flip side of that, I think we also have this other tendency. I think we have the tendency sometimes to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. But I think on the other side of this, we have this tendency to think of ourselves more lowly than we ought to think. We walk around like, well, I'm, I'm not gifted. I'm not as talented. I don't have this job or I don't have that job or my gift isn't as, as meaningful as anybody else's or as this other gift. And we fall into this comparison trap where we're comparing ourselves to somebody else. And then we wind up, we wind up beating ourselves up constantly because we're not as good as someone or we're not as, as gifted as someone else. Or maybe our gifts don't look like somebody else's. And so we really begin to, to kind of think that we don't hold a very high value in the kingdom of God. And I want you to know this morning that in God's kingdom, you are treasured above all else. 
that there is nobody who is treasured any more than you are. There's nobody treasured any less than you are. And I've said this from, from the very beginning. You did not get in on salvation because God wanted five or six people, but he had to take a hundred. You know, I've heard of these auctions where you go in and, and, and you know, you look at, you've seen the storage wars where they go in and they have to buy an entire storage unit. They can't just buy a piece out of it. And I think sometimes we don't consciously think that I'm like a storage unit, but I think sometimes we look around at the people around us and we, and we think to ourselves, you know, why would God love somebody like me? And we, and we, ha- and we tend to have this negative attitude towards ourselves. I want to talk more about that later because, well, let's just talk about it now. If you, let's just keep reading because I want us to understand this, that, that we cannot think too highly of ourselves because we fit into this thing. And we can't think too lowly of ourselves because we fit into this thing. Look what he says. But, 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 but to think with sober judgment. Now, I, I, I've got to confess to you, I was not sure what that meant. Like I read that and I, I thought like what most people think of when they think of as being sober. And so I had to go back and I started, and he said, this is sane and rational. What he's talking about when he says, with sober judgment, what he's telling us is he's saying, he says, I want you to, uh, I want you to, 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 to be honest in your evaluation of yourself. To be honest. See, I think sometimes this is what we do. And we talked a little bit about this on, on Wednesday night. I think sometimes what we're guilty of doing is we like give the Sunday school answer, right? We just say the right thing but it's not really the right thing because it's not really what we're doing. And he's saying, I want you to think with sober judgment. I want you to be sane. I want you to be rational. I want you to be honest in your evaluation of yourself. You know, and, and it'd be like someone saying this, well, you know, man, I'm, I'm just the most humble person ever. I don't need any attention. But every time you come in, like you bust your ear, you're like, ta-da, Angie's here. All right, hey guys, how you, you know? And we think that, and, and, and all of a sudden, like, yeah, but I'm like, yeah, I'm, Lord, I'm so humble, right? It's never about me, never about me. Did you see the check I wrote on Sunday? Never about me. No, praise God. But it was $5,000, praise God. You know what I mean? Like, and so there's sometimes this Sunday school stuff. Oh, yeah, I've got humility, but then our actions don't always back that up. So he says, I want you to think, you know, I just want you to, to be honest in your evaluation of yourself. And look what he, can, look what he says. Each coin the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we are, we are many members. Now, can you imagine if your body had a mind of its own and your eye decided tomorrow, it doesn't want to be an eye anymore. It wants to be a hand. And until it can be a hand, it's not going to function as an eye, so it just quits working. And then your, your, your whole leg, like your left leg says, you know what, I don't want to be a leg anymore. It's a thankless job. The hand gets all the glory. So I'm going to quit being a leg until I can be a hand. And next thing you know, you're blind in one eye and can't walk right. And, and your whole body is in disarray and disorder because two things aren't doing what they were created to do. And he says, you are a body and you have, well, let's just keep reading there. I I just love, man, I love this. And I've been reading this over and over again. He says, he says, for in one body, we have many members and the members don't all have the same function. So we, 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 he's talking to us. We, though many, we, though many are one body in Christ. Some of us are eyes. Some of us are, are, 
our, our, our hands, some of us our feet, some of us our brains. Some of us, we all have these different functions. But look, listen to what he says. And individually members of one another. So he's saying, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. Why? Because we are one body. We all have a function, but our functions are different. Not, not all of us are hands, because if we were all hands things would not get done, right? We wouldn't be able to travel anywhere unless you could hand walk. And I don't know too many of us that can do that, right? Plop up on your hands and try to walk. I can't do a cartwheel, let alone walk on my hands. And so there's this idea here that we can't think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think because all of us play a crucial role in the function of the body. And so what's it take? You know, and, he, and he specifically says that I don't know if maybe there was a problem within the, the, the Roman church where there were some who were elevating themselves or elevating their gifts uh, amongst uh, the people. But I got to thinking about what does it take for us to not think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think? And I thought the first thing would just be, in general, just humility. Like this humility that comes from recognizing that I am but one part of the church. You see, even as the pastor, I am not more important than any other part of the body. I'm not, I have a different function. You see me in a different way on Sunday mornings. But, I'm, but, my, but that is my giftedness to the body. And so what we have to discover is what yours is. Because I, I did, Luke and I had a big week on this this week. So Luke and I both do this, what we call a spiritual gifts inventory. We're gonna share this on Facebook on Monday. I want you to do this. Maybe it takes 10 minutes. You gotta kind of create a login and then you can email and print and all that kind of stuff, what your gifts are. But it gives, but so Luke and I, we're sitting there and we were sitting in my office. I was doing my computer. He brought his laptop in. We're doing it together. My number one gift was administration. That was my number one. I think my second one was something along the lines like shepherding or something. There was another one. But here's what I determined from doing that spiritual gift inventory. I'm not a real good caregiver, right? Like that's just, it was not, it was not one of my strong, you know, when they were asking the questions, and so you know what it made me realize? It made me realize that if this church just did what my strengths were, we really wouldn't be a church. We'd be a bunch of bossy people. That's, that's basically what we would be. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I don't really enjoy being around people who are bossy and act like it. You know what I mean? And so what, what I, and I've known, I've known what my spiritual gifts have been for a while. And so what I have to focus on doing, a lot of the good ideas that we've implemented over the years as a church, you wanna know the truth? They weren't my ideas. They were somebody else's. And I thought, hmm, that's good. And so what we have to do is, and so we have to exercise this idea of humility. Not everybody, not, I don't have all the right answers in a, in a given domain. That I have to lean on the gifts the spiritual gifts and abilities of other people so that this church doesn't take on my image, it takes on God's image, right? And each one of us are important in, that, in our function, in what God has called us to do. For some of us, it may be that we're encouragers. For others of us, it may be hospitality. Any of you feel like maybe your giftedness is towards hospitality? Like you love to host groups of people and you like to have people? Like Ashley loves that. And, I, and, I, and I'll be honest with you, the introverted part of me just says, I just wanna be home and I want it to be quiet and I wanna be able to do what I wanna do, right? 
but I know that Ashley enjoys having people at her house. And some of you do too. Like if that's your gift, create, create opportunities. And as Luke was talking about earlier, you know, we look around this morning and, and you may not know the person sitting behind you. You may, you may know their face. You may recognize me running to them at Walmart, but you may not know their name. You may not know the names of their kids. What better way than let's create some opportunities. And listen, you don't have to have anybody's permission to set up an event at your house and invite people to come over. All you need to do is exercise your gift. That's it. And it's not just for hospitality. I think sometimes we get in our minds that there's this hierarchy in the church that if I wanna exercise my gift, I need to get someone's permission, but I'm not sure who I need to go to. You don't, you don't have to have anybody's, anybody's uh, 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 what was the word I just used? Permission, thank you. You don't have to have anybody's permission to encourage somebody else. You don't have anybody's permission to go and use, take, take advantage of that prayer room. You don't have to have anybody's permission to share Christ with your neighbors. You don't have to have anybody's permission to, to gather two or three people together and have a Bible study or, or invite four or five couples over to your house and, and have a barbecue. You don't need anybody's permission to do that. We just exercise our gifts. But the problem becomes when, when, we, when we lack humility, and there was another word, let me, let me add the other word that I was thinking about, is this word honor. Because later on in, the, in, in, in Romans uh, chapter 12, and we'll talk about this more when we get to it, but in chapter 12, verse 10, he says, love one another with brotherly affection. And he says, outdo one another in showing honor. What's he mean by outdo one another in showing honor? I think sometimes we wait until people honor us before we extend honor to them. And what Paul's saying is, I want you to be the first to extend honor. I want you to honor other people. Now, the problem is, is that Satan will use anything and everything. And this is, this is the part where we're getting to how this applies to us. Satan will use anything, anything to divide and disrupt God's people. He'll use anything. And so here's what, here's what he'll, he'll use. He'll use when we dishonor other people. When we don't honor them, when we don't respect them. And sometimes this doesn't look like a blatant disrespect. Sometimes it's, a, it, it's subtle things. Sometimes it's not listening to an area where someone else must be gifted and I think that, I know all, that I've got all the right answers. And what begins to happen when we dishonor other people and when we don't practice humility and instead there's a little bit of pride in our hearts, what begins to happen is there begins to, to be this, this under the surface tension that begins to form. And it doesn't really, it doesn't really, you know, it's not really exposed, it's not really made its way out yet, but one little thing can set that off. And, and, and you know what I think of when I think of underground tension? I think of the potential for earthquakes. That's exactly the same thing that happens that there's this tension boiling under the surface and at some moment there's going to be something that sparks that and there's gonna be an eruption or there's gonna be an earthquake and it's gonna leave destruction in its wake. And we talk, we, we've talked a lot over the years about the, the fruit of the spirit. And, and I got to thinking about this, you know, we think about fruit of the spirit and oftentimes when we think about the exercising that, so, so to give you a review, it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. 
And when we talk about those things, oftentimes I've found myself talking about those in, in a way that, that pertains to people outside the church. But what, I've, but what I've discovered over the last few months is that we very rarely apply those to the people inside the church. Like how, you know, we, we talk about love. And again, we give the Sunday school answer, well, I love everybody in the church. But do we show it? Love, joy, peace, patience. Well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a patient person. You're a patient person until someone doesn't do what, they, what you want them to do in the time you want them to do it, right? And so what do we do? We lack patience with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Could we honestly say that at all times we are kind to one another? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Are we always good to one another? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness. Are we always gentle with one another? We, let, me, let me talk on this one for just a minute. We've done what I think is a really good job of creating a, a family atmosphere, a family dynamic. And sometimes, I, if you're new with us, sometimes I understand that, 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 that that's hard to kind of break into and we are trying to you know, we, I want you to know like it is never our intention to make someone feel like that they're on an outside of something. But I do want us to understand this in this, in this whole aspect of gentleness. When you create a family-like atmosphere, we tend to start treating each other like family. And that's really good whenever someone says, um, hey, we're taking your kid and, and we're gonna take him to lunch. We'll bring him back home afterward. And you go, yeah, okay, thanks. And, and that's it. Like, you, you're, not, you're not worried about your kid. You're not worried about where they're going. You're not asking where they're going. You, just, you say, okay. Like, that's really good. Like, I, that's one of the aspects of it I enjoy. But what also tends to happen is we begin speaking to one another like we do our family. And that's not always good. Because and I use this example at church, at, at, on Wednesday night with, with Ashley. So spouses, let's think about this for a minute. You're in a group of people, maybe at church, and, and, you, and you exercise some self-control in how you speak to other people, right? Like you're, you're conscious of what you're saying, you're conscious of how you're saying it, kind of what you're meaning, by, you know, making sure the communication is clear. You walk in the door at home, Ashley goes, Hey, honey, and you go, what? That's what I'm talking about. Like we, we, for some reason, we develop this family-like atmosphere and what we wind up doing is we start treating one another like family and we're not always exercising the gentleness and the kindness and the patience and the self-control. It's like whenever you have someone else's kids come to your house, right? As parents, you know, we kind of shuffle kids around a little bit. Like you got someone else's kids in your house and boy, you are nice to them and you are patient with them. They spill a cup when you're eating. You're like, oh honey, it's okay. Let me clean that up for you. I'll get you a new cup. Parents, you understand what I'm saying. But when it's your kid, oh no. What are you horsing around for? Why did you spill the drink? Why didn't you have it in the middle of the table? Like you're just, it's no, it's not like, oh, it's okay, sweetie. Maybe Ashley might be a little more like that. I'm not. I'm like, what, what's wrong with you? Like accidents aren't supposed to happen. But with, when it's someone else's kid, man, you're just, oh, it's okay, sweetheart. Don't cry. We'll get you a new one. Like this voice comes out of me and I don't know where it came from. But we do that. Like we, 
we have a tendency sometimes to talk to each other in ways like we need something. And if we didn't know them very well, we'd be like, hey, would you please do this for me? And they're like, oh, yeah. But man, when you're family, it looks something like this. Hey, you need to do this. Like, we don't even ask. We just like, we just command people to do something. And then we expect them to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know. And, and these are the little things that we have to understand. Because these are the little things that, because that, we would look around, and I can say for 10 years, we have had no huge problems as a church. No huge problems as a church. And I would say as I was studying this, I was thinking, I think there are two things that pertain to us specifically as a church that we need to make a conscious effort to honor one another, to not elevate ourselves above people, to not, to not, to not bring ourselves lower than people, but just to say we are on the same page, we are on the same level we are, all, we are all believers and fellow believers. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. And I love the family atmosphere, but if we're not careful, we begin talking to each other like they're family members and not cherished people. You know what I'm saying? And so we've got to be conscious of that. Because a, a, we, a, you know, we love, joy, peace, and as good as gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. It is that exercising of self-control of taking a deep breath, of thinking, I need to treat others how I want to be treated and honoring one another, outdo one another in showing honor. Sometimes we can just get a little flippant and cavalier and I am guilty of this as anybody. We can get flippant and cavalier in, in, in how we talk to other people and we think to ourselves, well, they know how I am. They know what my attitude, you know, they, they know, like they just know but we don't know how our words might be hurting somebody else. And then we think, and are we perfect all the time? No, we're not. So what do we do if we're not perfect and we make a mistake? Same thing we talked about last week. There's just, it's repentance, confession, seeking forgiveness, seeking to restore the relationship, not just sweep it under the rug. Because Satan will use this, these, these small little tremors under the surface that may not seem like a big deal at the time, but eventually those things begin building in momentum and Satan begins using them and then he begins using them against us. And so we've got to honor one another. I think the second thing is this. I think we have got to take an honest look at what our spiritual gifts are and how we need to be using them. And, and I would say on, on this particular instance, there are probably some failures I've had as a leader in helping us implement this stuff. Where we say, here's a spiritual gift inventory, let's answer it honestly. Um, and here's what I mean by that. When we share this thing on Sunday, or on Monday, I want you to do it, but I want you to do it honestly. There's a lot of questions about evangelism. Uh, and one of them is like, I steer every conversation toward the gospel. Now, if you don't... If, if your thought in every conversation you have is how can I open this conversation of the gospel, don't click always, right? Like we, it, it, it's one of those things like you have to be brutally honest with yourself. There were questions that I was sitting in my office asking Luke, say, Luke, am I this? And he would look at me and go, no. And I'm like, okay. Because in my head, I'm going, oh yeah, I'm absolutely this thing. And he's like, No. So you might have a spouse or a friend, right, doing that with you to help give you an honest assessment. 
but read it and write it. And then, and then let's, and then, and then I want you to share that on Facebook, right? Because here's, here are the type of people that I need around me. Like I need those hospitality people around me, those caregivers, those ones that, that empathy is like, they're like, that is them. Like they, you know, that's how they think. That is how they wired to care for other people and to, and to serve other people. Like I need those people around me. I need you to rub off on me a little bit, right? But I also need you to fill a void. And, 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 and we can't just come in someday and say, oh, if we didn't have some meaning of structure, like then there's just chaos ensues. Everybody's doing, and then we all begin thinking, here's what begins to happen. Well, because I'm a caregiver, everybody needs to be a caregiver. And if you aren't caregiving, then you aren't doing God's call on your life because God called all of us to be caregivers. And to a certain extent, we're right. But when we start having that attitude, then all of a sudden we are elevating. What are we doing? We are thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. So it's honoring the gifts of other people and understanding how those gifts come alongside and they begin to melt and they are complementary of one another. That we complement one another. Where one's gift is administration, one's is 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 in, is, is 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 hospitality or, or, or caregiving. Where where one's uh, deal might be prophecy, where they you know where they can see things that are broken and see things that are wrong. And there's this idea not of fortune telling or or fortune or, or future. Oh, what's the word I'm thinking of? Telling the future. It is more like forthtelling, like you, you talk about difficult things. You're able to see things in other people's lives and speak into it. Where you have those, you need on the flip side of that, you need to have encouragers because otherwise it's just fire and brimstone and doom and gloom all the time and there's no encouragement coming right along with it. Like we have to have these complementary pieces. And so for us, it's honoring one another, but it's also recognizing one another's gifts. And it's saying, I need, I need some of this and I need some of this. Why? So that the church can be what God has created the church to be. We, I, here, I, I, had, I had kind of a sobering thought on, I think it was on Thursday. I was sitting in my office. I was just, I was thinking over this. And, I, and, I, and, and at the same time, like I'm thinking of all the good things God has done in our church over the course of the last 10 years. All the stuff God has done. And I don't know if it was the Lord or if it was just my mind and, and me allowing it to wander a little bit, but, I, but I, had, I had this thought. Everything that God has done in our church may have been in spite of us not using our spiritual gifts. Imagine what God could do for us if we all found our, found, discovered our spiritual gift and began using them in an organized way. What God would, would, what God would really be able to do through us. You are important. You are not a loose cog. You're not a, you're not, you're not a loose screw that found its way into a, in, into a, into a junk drawer that we just can't get rid of because we might need someday. We need you today. You are a screw that, that, or, a, or a gear or, or you are a person, a part of a living organism that is not a spare part. It's not a part in a junk drawer that maybe we'll get to using someday. You are an important part of the church as it functions today. And we need to honor one another. We need to love one another. And we need to, we need to recognize these other gifts and these other giftedness that God has placed into your life and begin using them in our ministries in a way that glorifies God and really swings the doors wide open for God to be able to do in us and through us what God desires to do. If you've got the gift of encouragement, use it. 
because there's a lot of people sitting on our church today that need a little bit of encouragement. So it may be a phone call or a text or an email. Yours is hospitality. Open up your home to help the fellowship of believers. But whatever that gift may be, let's use it. But we're never gonna discover that gift if we don't first have that right relationship with the Lord. Like we have to have that right relationship with him because that's how we discover what his will is. That's how we discover what God desires for us to do. So first comes Christ, then comes the discernment of his will, and then it, then it comes to us. So I wanna ask you this morning, and again, I don't want you to Sunday school answer this. I don't want you to say, well, I'm at church, so my relationship, but what is your relationship with the Lord like right now? Like if he was here bearing witness, like Luke had to bear witness about me, am I, am I this? And Luke goes, no. We can feel pretty good about what we, how we can think things are. And so I wanna ask you this morning, what, what is your relationship with like, with, what is your relationship with Christ genuinely like right now? You in a good place? Are you reading your Bible regularly? Are you praying regularly? Do you, do you sense God's movement in your life whenever, you know, is your relationship with him good? Is it, is it not really where it needs to be? Maybe some things have, have crowded Christ out, I think a little bit like the parable of the, 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 the sower and the seed, where some roots or some, some weeds have grown up and begin to choke out. Has Christ been choked out of our lives by some things that have been going on? Maybe it's circumstances, maybe it was completely innocent things, but now we're starting to take an inventory and we're looking back and we're saying, you know what? Christ really just hasn't been given the proper place in my life like he should have been. When he should have been sitting on the throne, I kind of kicked him off and gave him a side seat and and I'm sitting on it now doing what I want to do and not necessarily, not really giving any consideration to what God, would, what God would want me to do and how God would want to use the way that he's gifted me for his kingdom. Maybe this morning you're here and you're like, man, I didn't know that you could have, you're like, I knew there was a God, but I didn't know he wanted to have a relationship with me. Well, let me tell you how much he wanted to have a relationship with you. He wanted a relationship with you so much that he and his son were both willing to make the sacrifice of Jesus going and dying on a cross so that we could have a right relationship with him. And Romans does a great job in explaining that our sin separates us from God, our mistakes, our failures, those, th- you know, that, those things that, that, that we know we're wrong, and, and yet for some reason we find ourselves doing them. But there are even things that we think we're aware of that might be okay, and the Bible, we're gonna discover that the Bible tells us are wrong, but those things separate us from God. But Jesus died, he paid the penalty for those sin because the Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. You're like, man, that doesn't sound fun. But in the same verse, he says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. And it says, if anyone would call my name, they can be saved. If you believe with your, ma- with your heart that Jesus is Lord and you confess him with your mouth, you can be saved. You don't have, to have all the answers to it. But I do think today, just as importantly as it was last week, I mean, if there's some sin in our life, that sin separates us from God. And if there's some sin in our life that's separating us from God, we're not gonna be able to, to discern the will of God. We've gotta keep, keep that line of communication open. And so maybe this morning for, for all of us or some of us or one of us, I don't know, maybe there's something that we need to repent of. We just need to come to the Lord and just bring it to him and say, Lord, I know that I failed. I know that I'm making mistakes here. And God, I pray you help me to, 
would you forgive me that? Help me to repent of it, to turn my back to it and turn my face to you and not keep falling back into this sin. But God wants a relationship with you. And he wants you to be a functioning part of his kingdom that God can use you to do more things than you could ever, than you could ever imagine. Because you are important to him, you are loved by him, you are treasured by him, and you've been gifted, you've been created and gifted by him. Would you stand with me? Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. Lord, I thank you today.